Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Peckville Assembly of God podcast. We're so glad you're here. Now, welcome Pastor Tyler Drost with today's message. You know, the Bible says that, don't you, in Proverbs. It says, a merry heart doeth good like medicine. Oh, man, two of us. It says, a merry heart doeth good like medicine. You find out you can laugh your way just about out of anything. I said, you can laugh your way out of anything. I'm telling you, when you have an overcoming spirit about you, an abundance of joy, it seems like no matter what hits you, you just begin to laugh. Oh, man. You just begin to laugh. Why? Because you have a realization of who God really is. That no matter what comes our way, we have a greater hope. We already have the victory. That's what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians. Now, thanks be to God, who always causes us to triumph in everything. Boy, most Christians just blew away their theology right then and there. Thanks be to our God who causes us to triumph in everything. Always causes us to triumph. Now, it's not about us. It's because of who he is on the inside of us. That's why he was able to say later, he said it like this. Greater is he that's on the inside of me than anything that's in this world. Man, if Christians would just get that mentality. Oh, come on. Just get that mentality about them. Wait a minute. I have a greater one living on the inside of me. I have a greater one living on the inside of me. I have life-giving force on the inside of my body. I have power that's greater than any force in this world that lives right on the inside of me. It's right here in this belly. The Bible says out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. When you find out the power of Almighty God dwells on the inside of you, that'll change your whole perspective. Come on. That'll change the way you look at life. It'll change the way you look at circumstances. Come on. It'll change the way you look at promotion in life. It'll change the way you look at people in life. It'll change the way you look at problems in life. I said it'll change the way you look at problems in life. Let me ask you this. Can any problem take out God? Is there anything that can defeat God? Now, if God lives on the inside of you, which the Bible tells us, that means you can't be defeated either. It means you can't be defeated either. Deal with trials? Absolutely. Go through stuff? Yeah, come on. We live in a real life, don't we? But thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in everything. Why? Because of what Jesus did for us. Because of the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's Hill. You and I don't have to live a defeated life. I said, you and I don't have to live a defeated life. We could have a joyful spirit about us. In fact, we ought to have a joyful spirit about us. I'm going to believe God's joyful. Psalm 1611, in his presence there is fullness three of us. There's fullness of joy, and at his pleasures, uh, at his right hand, are pleasures forevermore. So I just found out if you get in God's presence, there's everlasting joy. There's pleasures at his right hand. Come on. When you get a revelation of who God really is, come on, you think about this. He's the creator of the universe. When you read Genesis chapter 1, it says the Spirit of God hovered over the earth, but the earth was out without form or void, waiting for God just to speak something waiting for God just to give a command. You understand that the Holy Spirit travels in the vehicle of God's Word. Oh, man. The Holy Spirit travels in the vehicle of God's Word. I'm going to show you this in a minute in Acts. But as you speak, you must believe your words are anointed by the Spirit of Almighty God. Because if you don't, you won't see any change. But here's what I found out. I could just get out there and start declaring and decreeing a thing, and it'll be established for me, just as it said in Job that I could declare and decree that. Why? Because I'm speaking God's word. And as I speak God's word, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life, John 6, 63. 
So what I find out is as you speak God's word, it travels in the vehicle of God's spirit. And there's nothing that God's spirit can't accomplish. I said there's nothing that God's spirit can't accomplish. You understand, I can't cure cancer on my own. But I've laid hands on people and they've gotten clear scans from cancer. Why? Because I've clearly just used the name of Jesus and spoke the word. And as is faithful to speak the word, God is faithful to have his spirit confirm what the word of God says. Come on, folks. Come on, either we're Pentecostal people or we're not. Come on. As we, God's Holy Spirit travels in the vehicle of God's word. I'm going to show this to you. Over in Acts chapter 4, my grandfather, I just want to recap on a couple of the, the points he hit last week just to bring us up to speed. Uh, he, he talked about an appeal to God. Right in Acts chapter four, uh, verses twenty-three to thirty-one, and there's really six things there, and I'm just going to recap them real quick. Uh, number one was it was believing. They said, "Lord, you are God." They did not pray into unresponsive space. They talked into the very ear of God. When I speak, I don't believe I'm speaking in unresponsive space. I believe I'm speaking directly into God's ear. The Bible says, "Now we have this confidence." Come boldly before the throne room of grace. Why? Because what the blood of Jesus did. You understand, I, I think priests are great, but I don't need a priest to talk to God for me. Oh, man. Come on, Catholic brothers and sisters. I love you, but because of the blood of Jesus, the veil was torn. And now I can go to God anytime I need to. Not only anytime I need to, anytime I want to. What I found out is the old-time Pentecostal folks used to sing, we do it once in a while, a song called Jesus on the Main Line. You call them up on that royal telephone. Come on, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. You can call him up and tell him what you want. See, I like that kind of upbeat stuff. Like That gets me going because I realize I don't, I don't want to pray. I, you know, I'm not throwing Hail Mary prayers out there that aren't getting answered. I'm talking directly to God. When I start praying, I'm speaking directly to God himself, and God is speaking to me. And God's speaking to you. When you understand, because of the blood of Jesus, I'm not just, you know, oh, God, I hope he hears me. No, no, he hears you. The Bible says you have this confidence. Come boldly before the throne room of grace. And in your time of, of need, you'll receive mercy and grace from God the Father. God himself, the Bible says in Jeremiah 1.12, he's watching over his word to perform it in the lives of his children. You know what I found out? I just start praying his word. He's got angels watching over his word, looking to perform it in the lives of his children, according to Jeremiah 1.12. So what I find out is if I would just get in line my will with the, with the Word of God and God's will, there's no prayer that won't get answered. Whew, prayers aren't falling on deaf ears. So he said, number one, it's, it was believing. They said, Lord, you are God. They did not pray in an unresponsive space. They talked into the very ear of God. That's putting faith and prayer together. Come on. That's what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you have received. I believe the minute I pray, it's done. I believe it's done. Well, I don't see it, brother. Well, we walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, man. Come on. I, I got a scripture for all this. I'm just quoting scripture right here. This is not my idea. This is his idea. Believe me, I wish I just saw it every time I got done praying. Maybe I'm the only superficial one in the place. Come on. I wish every time I opened my eyes, there it was. Don't you? Come on. Call it for what it is. Let's be honest. You can't be honest in church. Where are you going to be honest at? <laughs> Come on. I wish every time I opened my eyes, there it was. But I, 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 as honest as I can be, it's not always there. But that's where faith kicks in. I said, that's where faith kicks in. What do you do when you pray for a sick person and they get worse? 
What do you do when you pray for a sick person and they get worse? I get up here and preach faith, laying hands on the sick, watch them recover, and they don't get any better. You know what I do? My faith has to kick in. The gift of faith has to take over and possess you and say, you know what? I'm not operating by what I see. I'm operating by what I said. I'm not operating by what I see. I'm operating by what I said. I believe as I called on God that he heard and he's going to answer my prayer. I believe it's already done. In fact, God, now I'm just going to give you praise. I'm just praising you, God, for you are a healer. It's already done. Just like you talked about Abraham in Romans 4, who called things that be not as though they were and watched them come to pass. God, I believe by faith the minute I spoke, it was done. I'm calling in my harvest, Jesus. I sowed my seed. I'm believing you, God. I'm putting faith to work. Hello? Come on, somebody. And I'm believed, I receive, so now I'm just going to praise you till I possess it. And what I find out is my prayer, when it transfers over to praise, takes me up on like the highway, and then that thing comes the express route. Come on. I said, then it comes the express route. Rather than complaining about something, well, it didn't work, you just killed your miracle right there with your mouth. You ought to read 2 Kings 4. Oh, man. You killed your miracle with your mouth. Instead of saying, it is well. No, I believe it's done. Oh, Father, I thank you. Father, I praise you. It's a done deal. I thank you. The angels are bringing it to me now. Oh, I thank you, Father. I believed I received the minute. I pray. And you begin to praise God and magnify God. And what you do is, praise is the highest thing you could do. As you praise God, you'll see that miracles begin to take place. After all, what he preached to you last week was these apostles, these disciples, were literally being persecuted. They were being threatened for their life. And instead of running and telling everybody, what'd they do? They all came together and started praying. Oh, they found out that they could just get in his presence and there was no threat that could harm them. Come on, somebody I read Psalm 91 sometime. Come on. You get underneath the the shadow of the Almighty. It says, though a thousand may fall to my right side, ten thousand my left, it will not harm me or my household. What I found out is I could get in his presence and it might be harming everybody to the right and to the left, but it's not touching me or my household. Why? Because there is protection in God's presence. I said there's protection in God's presence. There's provision in God's presence. There's joy in God's presence. There's peace in God's presence. There's healing in God's presence. You understand everything you ever need, want, or desire in your life is in God's presence. You ought to be saying better than that. I said everything you could need, want, or desire in life is in God's presence. It's not in the economy. God knows it's definitely not in the Congress or whatever else is going on in the news. It's not in any of that nonsense with politics and everything else. I'll tell you what it's in. It's in the presence of God. The presence of God. Because the blood of Jesus made a way. Amen. Paul says, I- I've known nothing but to know him and his resurrecting power. <sighs> Number two, it was united, their prayer. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. You want to see miracles? You want to see things happen? It's got to be done in a spirit of unity. I say it's got to be done in unity. (laughs) I'll just tell you this. You start moving and flowing in things of God, don't be surprised some people walk out of your life. And truthfully, it sucks. I just call it for what it is. But the truth is, if you get over there in your feelings, you're not operating by faith now. You're operating by feelings. And when you're operating in your feelings, you have a hard time hearing the voice of God. I said, when you're operating in feelings, you have a hard time hearing the voice of God. Somebody said to me the other day, boy, you got skin and leather. I said, it's not that. I just realized if I want to be in God's presence, if I want to move in what God has for me, I got to have some tough skin. You got to realize you're probably going to deal with some stuff, but you can't get all caught up in your feelings and nonsense of what's going on. Because what you do is you get distracted and then you can't hear what God's trying to say to you. 
Because in God's presence, there's no confusion. Amen. In God's presence, there's no sowing discord. Oh, boy. There's no sowing discord. That's the devil's job, last I checked. The Bible says the devil's the accuser of the brethren. So the devil realized he don't even got to do his job if he can get Christians all confused. But instead of operating by our feelings, if we operate by faith, we can hear what God says. Amen. And then let me just help you all out a little bit. If you just get God's direction on something, everything just works out. Oh, come on. I say everything just works out. Am I the only real person in this place that's tried to do something in their own strength before? Come on, you try and do it in your own strength, and what? We toil and we struggle, and it seems like it's a never-ending battle, right? It's, oh, I'll push this boulder uphill forever. Instead of getting in his presence, getting his direction on it, and you never even had to push the boulder anyway. You could have just stepped to the right or the left, the boulder would have went by, and you could have just kept going. <laughs> Come on. Why? Because when you're able to hear God's voice clearly, I'm telling you, it'll call you places that are uncomfortable. I said it'll call you places that are uncomfortable. I'm telling you, you all ought to make it a point to be here Sunday, January 5th. I'd love to speak more to it, and I can't. But I'm telling you, you need to be here the first Sunday of this year. I don't care what you got to move, rearrange your schedule. I'm telling you, you need to be here. We're having that dinner after service. Dad's going to cast some vision. But I'm telling you, we're going to announce some news for some vision for 2020 that I believe, personally, is probably the greatest endeavor we've ever taken on as a ministry since building this place. But it's uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. How's it going to happen? I don't know. I really don't. All I know is I put my faith in him and believe God and listen to the voice of God. But I know God is speaking clearly to my father. And, and I can't say, God, this is going to be double the work. God, how am I going to do it? No, I just going to say, God, I believe you're speaking to him and I believe it's coming to pass. So I'll do whatever I got to do to serve the vision. Whew, to serve the vision. Why? Because that's called being in one accord, being united with what God's saying. Amen. Number three, it was scriptural. How many people know you pray scriptural? You get scriptural answers. Pretty simple, amen? Number four, it was definite. Now, Lord, with all boldness, may we speak your word. There's no room for margin of error there. Oh, come on. I said there ain't no room for error there. With all boldness, may I speak your word. You speak his word, there's no error in his word. I said there's no error in his word. Come on. How many people believe that this word, the Bible, is without error? If you don't, we got to go to a back to basics class here. Come on, folks. This is the written word of God inspired by the Holy Ghost, and there's no error in it. I said there's no error in it. There's error in us, but there's no error in this word. Well, thank God for the blood of Jesus. He took care of that big old error. And now the Bible says you've been born again of incorruptible seed. Read that in Peter. There's incorruptible seed on the inside of me. There's incorruptible seed on the inside of you. You see, I understand, I'm not trying to sound cocky or arrogant. What, I, what I'm trying to do is help you understand the confidence of what God's Word says you really are. Who's, who God really says you are in Him. In this flesh dwelled no good thing. You're right, then I got born again. Come on. Then the Spirit of God got put on the inside of me. The Spirit of God is perfect. Amen. There's perfection on the each and every one on the inside of you if you've been born again. Oh, man, come on. You know the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made? What are you calling yourself ugly for? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, this is what the Word says. The Word says you've been made in the image and likeness of God. That's, that's Genesis chapter 1, baby. <laughs> come on, you're made in the image and the likeness of God. The Bible says, I, I, I mean, this one just blows me away. You get over there in Psalms, and the angels say to God, who is man that you're mindful of him? Oh, man. 
I'm going to be preaching on that. He says, who is man that you're mindful of him? God says, let me tell you, I've made man just a little lower than me. And I've given him rulership and dominion and charge over everything my hands have created. That's Psalm chapter 8 for some of you that are lost. Next time you think you're a loser and you're down and out and looking down on yourself, get over here in Psalm 8 and read who God says you are. It's not arrogance. It's a confidence in God's word and who God says you are, who you are in him. Look, I, I don't know how else to say it. We used to fix cars, right? You, you could buy a car mangled up at the insurance auction down here, right, for a good price. And we used to straighten these things out. You'd never even know that thing was in a wreck. You know, it's, that's, that's how sin is with us. We're born, the Bible says, in sin, shaping and iniquity. It's like a wrecked car. But what I find out is, come on, guys. You get over there to Dr. Jesus. He's the ultimate body man. Come on. He straightened you out just like a frame machine straightened that car out. Brother, like the best paint job you've ever seen. No fish eyes in that thing, dirt, nothing. I'm telling you, he'd make you think just like you're brand new again. The Bible says you're a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus, that he's put his precious Holy Spirit on the inside of you. you got to get this mentality about you. I'm more than a conqueror. I've been called to victory. I'm, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm not even talking victim anymore. That's old news. That's fake news. That's behind me, whatever you want to call it. But here's my future is bright. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter day by day. Day by day. Somebody told me the other day, well, as you get older, it goes downhill. I'm like, not according to the word. Well, I got gray hair. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs, gray hair is just a crown of splendor. Hey, come on. Come on. I ain't worried about getting gray hair. <laughs> come on. The Bible calls it a crown. I mean, I'm a little young for all that yet, but I'm just saying. Rather than complaining you got gray hair or no hair or whatever, right? Come on. The word takes care of that too. There's a scripture for every facet of your life in that book. Amen. For everything. For, watch this, health to your body, healing to your bones. Come on. How many people could use some healing? It's in that book. Strength is in that book. Peace is in that book. Joy is in that book. Come on, happiness. Anything you could ever need, want, or desire is right there. In that book. So, as we look to God's word, in verse 29 of Acts chapter 4, it says, Oh, now, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants. <laughs> How many people know it's a pleasure to be a servant of God? Oh, it's a pleasure to be a servant of God. You know what I found out in Psalm 35, 27? It says, Let them shout for joy and say continuously, Let the Lord be magnified. Who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants? I find out God gets pleasure in our prosperity. Psalm 35, 27. You might want to write that one down. The Lord be magnified. Who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants? It is a benefit to be a servant of God. I said it's a benefit to be a servant of God. Some folks, it's like, man, they tell their testimony like their life was amazing, and then they got, they got saved, and their life's terrible ever since. No, it's just the opposite. Your life was terrible before. You thought your life was good hanging in the bars and, you know, carrying on living like hell, and the truth is it was terrible, and you were on your way to a devil's hell. But now since you've been born again because of the blood of Jesus, you're on your way to heaven. Come on. You're living your best life now. It's not back there in the 70s, some of y'all. Come on. Your best life is now. Some of you guys thought you lived it at Woodstock. Let me tell you something. Your best life's today, amen? Come on. And moving forward, it's not at Woodstock. Your best days are with Jesus. The old folks, he's just singing like this. Every day with Jesus is sweeter and sweeter. Come on. Challenges? Yeah. But it's just going to get better. 
What's the alternative? I mean, what is the alternative? Live like everybody else? Well, it's Monday with a few swear words, right? It's Tuesday. I had kids on the bus say today, it's hump day. I says, what? I'm telling you, these kids, I got elementary and high school kids, hump day. How could you have hump day at that age? I, never mind. I mean, I don't know. Hump day, really? Come on. I mean, you guys, what, go to school for a few hours? I mean, pretty much screw around most of the day? Like, really, come on. Hump day. You're, uh, it's hump day. I'm like, good Lord, you look like the guy, you know, fourth over on the, eleva- uh, on the evolution chart like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Never mind. Good Lord. Thank God it's midweek. Come on. Thank God it's midweek. God, I thank you for another day on your earth. You know what? I woke up this morning. It was 2.55. And I thought, I th- my alarm wasn't for 5.30. I thought it was 5.30. 2.55. I said, oh, Jesus. Thank you for the day, but I'm going back to bed. Amen. Come on. And when, when I got up for 5.30... So that's what I say every day. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of another day. It's a gift. Lord, I know there's a whole bunch of folks that died last night. Thank you for giving me another day. It's a gift. Come on, folks. We ought to be thankful for the breath in our lungs that God has given us. Come on. So now, Lord, look upon their threats. Talking about the people who are threatening them. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Why are you going to get so bold when you're speaking? Because the Word says it. That's why. Because I'll tell you this. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can't help but get bold. Oh, man. I said when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can't help but get bold. Come on. Jesus, you know, I know in America we've painted Jesus to like be a, a hippie floating on clouds or something singing Kumbaya. But he's also the same Jesus that fashioned a horse whip. Come on. He's the same Jesus that kicks some tails in the temple. Oh, boy, come on. I'm wrecking some of y'all's hippie theology. He, he kicked some tails in the temple. Come on. There's a boldness about him, a righteous anger. You know what that righteous anger is? It says no to sin. Oh, man. It says no to sin. I don't hate sinners. I just hate sin. Come on. I, if you're gay, lesbian, whatever, I love you. I really do. I'm for you. God's for you. This church is for you. But I'm telling you right now, when you come to God, I'm telling you, you don't see how the Holy Spirit just changes that all around in your life. Don't wait to get cleaned up. Just come to him the way you are. He'll take care of all that. Come on. You get touched by his spirit, get off the floor. You know, somebody said, well, why do people hit the floor? I said, well, you know, when they operate on people, you're laying on your back, aren't you? I said, God's just doing an operation. They get up, they'll be a whole different person. (laughs) That was the easiest answer I could give them. I didn't know what else to say. Speaking with all boldness. Can I tell you this? If you're going to see prayers answered, you're going to walk in victory, you're going to have to learn to speak with boldness. You're going to learn to have to tell the devil, help my speech, Lord. Heck no. Come on, you getting adrift? Come on. H-E double hockey sticks, no. You know what I'm saying? Come on. You're not having my children. Johnny ain't struggling with drugs no more. We ain't doing this. You got to learn how to speak with boldness to that thing. I told some of y'all before, uh, we went through that nonsense and then my daughter being born. And and you asked my wife, I felt like Jesus at Jairus' house. I put people out of the room. I came back in that room and they knew who was in authority and it wasn't them. The baby's flatline everything else. 
You know what? First, I put my hands on that womb, start speaking to that thing with boldness. Psalm 91. Start speaking over my wife's womb. Start, then we start singing and praising God. We start singing that song, Oh, it is Jesus. <laughs> then I put Brother Hagin on in the background while the baby was being delivered. That's no joke. I don't know how many times the doctors down here at Moses Taylor had Brother Hagin preaching while they're delivering a baby, but it might have been a first. <laughs> because I needed a miracle. Man. I said, We needed a miracle. And thank God we had a healthy baby. Come on. But what if we didn't know how to speak the word with boldness? What if when that child flatlined, what if we didn't know how to speak the word with boldness? Would I be holding my baby in my arms? I don't know. So I'm not trying to do this as some cute time thing. I'm trying to tell you, it's a serious matter. You got to learn how to speak God's word with boldness in every situation, in every circumstance. Somebody struggling with drugs, you got to learn how to, you, you, gotta learn, you have the power to set them free. And you got to learn how to use that power. Come on, use that power. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus, give me the words to speak in the hour I need to speak them. Come on, when he sent the disciples out, he give you the spirit to give you the words to speak in the hour I need to speak them. God, give me the right words to say. God, when I'm talking to my kid on drugs, I don't see them like on drugs. I see him worshiping you, so give me the right words to speak. Amen. The word is seed, God. Get, let me sow the right seeds to help deliver them. Come on, help set them free. <laughs> Watch this. How to call in a job. Oh, man. I said, how to call in a job. You put in for a job that you're not really qualified for. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? Now you got to learn how to believe God for promotion. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. So now i got a scripture to stand on. Come on. Now i got a scripture to stand on. Lord, you said promotion comes from you. I'm believing you for this promotion, God. In fact, I'm calling it in, God. I pray every other candidate, I don't know, I care if they lose the paperwork, whatever happens, but I pray my name rises right to the top. Folks, I, I'm telling you, I've seen this happen more times over and over and over again. Miracles just take place in people's life over and over and over again. Promotion and healing and breakthrough. Salvation is, is just first base, man. I'm telling you, I've seen overwhelming blessing get on people's houses. Come on. And walking in victory. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it all starts with sowing a seed of your words. Mark 4, the sower sows the word. It starts with speaking the word with boldness. You know, after my daughter was delivered, I had another conversation. It wasn't with God. Oh, you got to learn how to speak to your enemy, too. I said, you got to learn how to speak to your enemy, too. Put that scripture back up. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. You know what? I won't tell you all what I told the devil, but I threatened his own life. Come on. He thought he was going to hurt my infant baby that was just born. Oh, big mistake. Come on. You got to learn how to talk to your enemy. Think about it like this. If our military's at war with a, with a foreign enemy, don't you think they ought to know something about the enemy? Come on. Any, any former military people in the room know something about their enemy? Want to know where they're at? For instance, say we're calling a drone strike. You better make sure that your enemy's in that place you're striking. Come on. Come on. Can I get a witness? So you got to learn how to speak, not only to God in your situation, but also to your enemy. With boldness. Watch this. My father, most people don't know, prays over uh, these seats like every Saturday morning, lays hands on the seats in this room. Talks to God. 
believes God for people coming in, but he also binds the work of the devil over people's lives. Jesus said, whatsoever things you bind on earth would be bound. And what you loose would be loosed. Guess what? How do you bind stuff? With your mouth. Oh, man. How do you lose blessing? With your mouth. There's other ways, but predominantly with your mouth. Predominantly with your mouth. Start speaking life over your kids. Start speaking blessing over your kids. Man, I was preaching like this one day on a faith-filled Friday, doing my, my broadcast I do at noon on Facebook on Fridays. And a, a prophet of God kept ringing my phone while I was preaching. I thought, what in the world today? I'll call you back. You know what I mean? Like, I'm preaching. So I literally, I mean, was, kept clicking my phone on the thing. And my daughter happened to be in the office. My wife stopped by with her that day. And he said to me, he says, where's your daughter at? And I said, uh, I think home. I don't know. And I happened to walk in the office. I said, actually, she's right here. He says, put the phone on the speakerphone and lay hands on her. He says, this is what the Lord says. I mean, a kid's six months old. And I'm just there. Father, I believe and I receive every word this man of God said. Father, we receive the blessing even now over her life. It's why I should have brought the picture. My grandfather's here tonight. You asked my grandfather at 89 years old. When he first met my daughter, I think she was not even a day old, a few hours old. I had him get down. I didn't make him do this. He did this. <laughs> Got down on his knee and lay hands on her and bless her. I said, I want you to lay hands on her and bless her. I want all of your mouth, I want your blessing put on that child. There's so much power in blessing and the spoken word. I want you putting your, you and grandma, put your hands on her and bless her. Because I know if you guys bless her, she'll be blessed. Do you understand what Jacob and Esau, when they deceived their father? He said, it's okay, dad, just speak another blessing. He says, I'm sorry, I already spoke the blessing over him. He believed so much in what he spoke that he says, I'm sorry, the blessing's already gone. Come on. There is so much power in speaking the word with boldness. I said, there's so much power in speaking the word with, the word with boldness. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal. Somebody say to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What happened before he could stretch out his hand to heal? Somebody had to start speaking. Oh, man. Somebody had to speak with boldness. I said somebody had to speak with boldness. You know why God just don't go around healing people? You know why he needs, he needs you to lay hands on them? Like he commissioned you to in Mark 16, amen? He said you lay hands on the sick and then they'd recover. Because God needs a servant in the earth. God needs a son and a daughter of God to rise up but has enough faith on the inside of them, enough boldness, and say, you know what? I believe by Jesus' stripes you are healed. I believe in the name of Jesus. As I lay hands on you, the power of God is coming through my hands, and signs, wonders, and miracles will take place just like this. Now, God, I believe when I speak in faith, you'll stretch forth your hand and heal people, and signs and wonders and miracles will be wrought through the name of Jesus. What I find out is Christ is healer. What I find out is Christ is blesser. But here's what I found out. As I'm faithful to speak his word and speak who he is and lay my hands on it, he's faithful to perform signs, wonders, and miracles. Come on, somebody. He's faithful to stretch forth his hand and work and perform that what I just spoke. That's why when we go to lay hands on the sick, speaking to people with cancer and terminal diseases, I don't go in there and give some kind of cute prayer. It's not, it's not them. It's, it's the foul infirmity that tries to take the authority over somebody. 
And I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, whose I am and who I serve. Because what I just did is I just identified with him. Oh, come on. Come on. I just identified with him. Now when I speak, I'm speaking on his authority. Woo, come on. I'm speaking on his authority. It's not now Tyler Drost is trying to get somebody healed. It's God himself. It's his written word. The Bible says in Psalm 107, 20, he sent his word to heal them and deliver them. In the name of Jesus Christ, who's I belong to and who I serve? I take authority over you, foul infirmity. I command you to leave this body and go back, report to your master Satan. You failed. And I usually laugh at them. <laughs> and then whatever else. Why? Because I'm speaking the word with boldness. And I realize as I'm faithful to do that, do my part, two parts of a miracle, God's faithful to stretch forth his hand and heal folks. God's forth, faithful to stretch forth his hand and bless folks, to deliver them, to restore marriages. I know I've told you all this before well, in another service, but I was just looking at them on my desk before I came out here, how I kicked off this year. And the Lord said, this would be a year of unprecedented increase, and it's been. He said, this would be a year of my favor, and it's been. I'm telling you, folks, it has been. I could just brag on him forever. But I keep these papers on my desk that kicked off the year of a lady I laid hands on right there in that back corner. And I, I had her get the medical scans because I love keeping this stuff. Because anytime the devil tries to do anything, I just remind him what God did the last time. The lady came to me. I, I wasn't even ministering. I was just standing over there on the side during praise and worship, 11 a.m. service. She walked right over and said, I need to see you. I said, well, praise God. I'll catch you after service. I mean, you know. She goes, no, right now. I'm like, okay. We went back there. I said, what's going on? She said, my daughter doesn't know. Only my husband knows. She goes, but I, I, I've been given a diagnosis. I got tumors all over my brain. Young lady. And she said, I believe by faith right now, if you'll lay hands on me, that every single tumor's coming off my brain. She goes, I have a scan on Tuesday, and God is just going to prove it to the doctors. God can work with that. I said, God can work with that. That reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. Come on. I mean, I was like, oh, you don't need me, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, woman, you got enough faith to get that thing for yourself. But I said, the Bible says any two people agreeing on anything and touch it, be done unto them. That's what Jesus said. I'm putting pressure on you, Jesus. You're the one who said it, not me. <laughs> I believe according to her faith, it's done right now in Jesus' name. Whew. You know, she went and got that scan. The doctor, I have it on my desk, the second scan. I got both of them, before and after. I like to laugh at the devil regularly, amen? <laughs> second scan says this, remarkable scan of the brain. In fact, the doctor wrote on there, can't even believe it's the same brain. Oh, I'm telling you, I had a shouting party when she handed me that paperwork. Mm. Come on. Don't tell me my God's night. That's how 29, 20, 2019 started off for me. And I told you, ministering out, laid hands on blind people, and saw eyes get open, deaf ears get open, things of that nature. So now, the devil's a hard time convincing me it's not God's will just to heal everybody every time. Come on. And every time he tries to rear his ugly head with doubt and unbelief, just speak the word. I just say, hey, you remember what Jesus did with that lady with the brain tumors? Get ready, you're about to do it again. Come on. Oh, Lord, I thank you how you've healed me in the past. Now the devil's trying to afflict me today, God, so I thank you for your healing power. I just receive it by faith right now. Devil, you hear that? He healed me before. He's going to heal me again. Last I checked, you're under my feet. <laughs> you're under my feet. 
The Bible says God sits in the heavens and laughs at his enemies, so I'm laughing at you, devil. The Bible says in Genesis 50, 20, what man meant for evil, God used for good. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good, for those who call of God and, and, and are loved according to his purpose. So God, I'm called of you. I'm a child of yours. This is working for my good. And look how your perspective changes. Look how doors begin to open. Look how healing virtue just comes on your body. Why? Because you changed your perspective and got your focus off your problem and off the devil and his distraction and your feelings and got your focus back on faith and on who God is. Come on. And, and what God, I'd say like this, what God's entourage is. God travels with an entourage, you understand. He shows up, healing shows up. He shows up, power shows up. Come on, he's all powerful. He shows up, the glory shows up. The anointing shows up. Peace, joy, love and kindness, long-suffering, all, all the fruit of the Spirit just show right up. He travels with an entourage. That's why the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is with me, and forget not all of his benefits. We serve a God that comes with a benefit package. Come on. Hey, it's better than Obamacare or any other package 401k, no matter what you might have. Come on. We serve a God that comes with benefits. I know it's not popular to preach nowadays because most preachers don't have the intestinal fortitude to preach this thing. But I'll tell you what, I'll preach it to the day I die, that I serve a God who is a covenant-keeping God. I serve a God who is a covenant-keeping God that loves to fill the lives of his children with good things. He is a God that comes with benefits. And everything I have is his. I said, everything I have is his. You understand when you say stuff like that, it kills your pride. Oh, man. Oh, man. Nathan, I think I got Friday's taping already. <laughs> you get over there in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Woo, baby. And God rebukes his own children. Rebukes his own children. He says, because they start thinking they're prospering on their own. They start thinking they're rich because of what they're doing. He says, wait a minute. Read Deuteronomy 8. It'll blow your mind. He says, I'm the one that's given you houses to live in that you didn't build. He says, I'm the one who's fed you. I'm the one who's blessed you. And he goes on and on and on. And then he gets to Deuteronomy 8, 18. He says, may you never forget I'm the Lord your God who's given you the power to create and receive wealth that I might establish my covenant in the earth with you today. You want to know true prosperity? I don't know why I'm on this. You want to know what true prosperity is? It's God, everything I have is because it's come from your hand. And God, everything you'll increase me with, everything you'll bless me with, God, it's all yours anyway. So just direct me what you want me to do with it. I'm just a steward. You made Abraham real rich. You made all of his descendants really rich. And you said in Galatians 3, that now they had promised Abraham belongs to us. So Father, whatever my lot is in life, riches, Mediocre, whatever. It's all yours anyway. And I trust you with it. Come on, I trust you with it. And I believe, God, that you've given me everything. And just know, anytime you want anything back, it's yours. I'll tell you, that's the most dangerous and powerful prayer you could ever pray. When the Lord gave us our home, put our hands on the countertop. Yes, my wife with the keys and I prayed this prayer. I said, I believe you've given me this home. The bank might hold a note, but you, this is your house. We'll anoint the, the doorpost with oil because this is your place. There's no curse coming in this house. There's no negativity. There's no sickness. In this. this is your house. Belongs to you.
Well, thank you for allowing me to live in it. And I said, God, just know this. You ever want it back, it's yours. You want it, it's yours. I, I, I believe you enough. You want me to sell the place and give it to whatever? I'll do it because I know you'll take care of me. I know just like David said, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. It's a dangerous and a scary prayer, but I tell you this, it was one of the most freeing prayers I've ever prayed in my life. God, everything I have, my clothes, my car, watch, motorcycle, whatever, whatever you've given me, it's all yours. Thanks for loaning it to me. Thanks for loaning it to me, Father. Thanks for allowing me to steward it for you. And God, may I steward everything you've given me well. Come on. May I steward everything you've given me well. Because the truth is, if you're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles, you've got to steward everything God's given you well. Your time. Oh, come on. Your time. Your talent. Your treasure. Everything you have has come from the hand of God. And if you want to see God's victory, God's blessing, all these things in your life, it's all going to be up to you. I know that sounds rough, but it's all up to you. God doesn't determine your harvest, you do. God doesn't determine where you go in life, you do. Now your steps are ordered to the Lord. But God's not saying, well, I'm going to keep Bob down here and I'm going to put Jay up here. No. God's an equal opportunity employer. Come on. Black, yellow, green, white, whatever the song is, they're all precious in the sight. Amen? Come on. It don't matter with God. It's a level playing field. Where you go with God is up to you. The time you spend with him, the time you spend in his presence, that's not up to God, it's up to you. I told you another time, I said, I was in Fort Lauderdale earlier this year, been in a bunch this year, but earlier this year, and I was sitting on the second row over here, getting ready to go up and do this thing. And the Holy Spirit, during praise and worship, spoke to me one of the most powerful things he's ever spoke to me. Somebody said, what was it? And I said, he said this. He said, I love when you're in my presence. I said, God, I love being in your presence. Because I get in your presence and I forget about all this other nonsense. I forget about what I got going on and Oh, what's pressing at me, what's pushing at me, what's pulling at me, all the stress, all this stuff going on. All that nonsense just goes out the window when I get in your presence. So, Lord, help me be a better steward of getting into your presence. He said, I love when you're in my presence. To think of the creator of the universe loves being in our presence and us being in his. Wrap your head around that. The very God that flung the stars into the atmosphere, stratosphere, whatever they call the stuff. Just spoke the word and stuff getting created all over the place. Loves you being in his presence. Sees you as royalty coming into his presence. And the devil's trying to afflict you with what? Come on. You're royalty in the eyes of God. Oh, man, get that Amplified Bible. Get over there in Romans 5, 17. You were made to reign as a king in this life. He even made you a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. See, people don't know the word. You start reading the scripture, man. Let me tell you something. You find out Jesus is your brother. Come on, imagine big brother Jesus. Now, my little brother's back there sitting behind the soundboard, but imagine big brother Jesus. 
Come on. I probably shouldn't tell you all this, so I won't, but how many people are, are an older sibling? A few of us. I got two younger brothers. I think they were both adopted, but I have two younger brothers. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. Dylan was definitely adopted. No, I'm teasing. Yeah, Walmart. Yeah, I think that's where my parents found him. Very clear on the people of Walmart. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Where am I going with this? When I was in high school, if somebody picked on my brothers, that was a big mistake. Come on, older siblings. Oh, don't act so pious and holy. You didn't know you wouldn't always have angel wings. Come on. Somebody picked on your siblings. That was a mistake. Come on. They messed with your blood. I'll never forget. He might be watching. He watches sometimes on Fridays. Thank God he restores all things. Amen. Don't think any less of me. But believe it or not, I wasn't always a glorified saint. Amen. And somebody was <laughs> yes. <laughs> somebody was picking on Dylan when we were in school. Boy, did that, that really rung my bell. And this guy thought he was a hot shot, big football guy, just sat in the other, you know. And he was picking on my baby brother. And that got back to me. And Dylan didn't tell me because he knew I'd kill him. Well, like, you know what I mean. It wouldn't go well. I don't really mean kill him, please. You know, whatever they do. <laughs> and so I waited up for him one day out in the parking lot there. And he come out that school. All the cheerleaders were there getting ready to go to the game. He's Mr. Big Shot. I grabbed a hold of him. Let's just say he was on his knees crying, begging for mercy. And I told him, I said, you will apologize to my brother. And you won't ever pick on him or somebody else again. I said, I'll really kick your rear end, you know, amongst other things. Now, am I saying that was right? No. But what I am saying is this. They never mess with my brother again. Now, you got big brother Jesus. You got all of God's angels. The Bible says there's angels encamped around you. You've been empowered by God's Holy Spirit. You have God's written word. I'm trying to just help you understand this for a minute. And you think it's okay for the devil to harass you? You think that's okay with God that the devil harasses you? Oh, man. I'm telling you, there's going to be one last showdown between God and the devil. Read about it in the Scripture, and God is going to finally make a real public show of them. The Bible says like this. It says when that veil is removed, they'll literally say, he's the one that was harassing the nations. That little pipsqueak is the one that was picking on God's children all these thousands of years. He's the one that was harassing. That's what the Bible says. He was the one harassing the nations and laughing at them. But Christians have literally magnified their problems so much over the Word of God, over the power of God that's available to them, and lived a life in defeat. I've just made up my mind. Not me, baby. Come on. And I, I, I would implore you, do the same thing. Not me. As for me and my household, just like Joshua said, we'll serve the Lord. As for me and my household, the devil might harass every other household on my street, but he ain't touching this boy's house. Come on. He won't get my kids. He won't get my wife. He won't get my marriage. Come on. He might have done it to other people, but it's not touching me. Psalm 91. And how do I do that? The same thing. I'm trying to help you realize. The disciples here were under such threat, under such persecution. They're persecuting them for their lives right here in this text. And they could have got so focused and caught up on the problems and caught up on, oh my God, they want to kill us. After all, they've already stoned some of us. 
They've already killed a few of us. What's going to happen to us? They could have had that mentality, but instead they said, no, God, grant your servants to speak your word with boldness one more time. Because I know, God, if I speak your word with boldness, there will be results. And I know, God, when you show up and your power shows up, there's no threat in earth, heaven, hell, anywhere in between that can take us out when we're in your power and in your presence and in your protection. So instead of looking at their circumstances and everything that was around them, pressing at them, they decide to put their focus on God. Come on, and get in God's presence and speak God's word with boldness. And then God stretched forth his hand to heal with signs and wonders that are performed throughout the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Thank you for the name of Jesus. Come on, thank you for the name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. The Bible says at that very name, everything that's named in the earth and under the earth must bow its knee to that name. You know what I find out? Cancer has a name. Diabetes has a name. Heart trouble has a name. All these things are just named things that must bow their ugly head to the name of Jesus. Come on, to the name that is above every name. And what I found out is, is I'm faithful to exalt the name of Jesus. He's faithful just to show up and show off. Amen. <laughs> I told somebody one time, a young man, he says, I want to preach like you. I said, I don't know if you'd even call what I do preaching. I said, I pretty much have got this thing figured out. I just show up and brag on God to the point of where he shows up and shows off. <laughs> and I said, whatever it is, I'm just going to keep doing it. Because you know why? As I've done it, I've watched him open blind eyes. As I've done, he's done, I've got medical scans on my desk where tumors have fallen off of people. Jesus. As I've been faithful to speak this thing, I, I told you about Wally, 24 hours to live. Now he's seven months now, cancer-free. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. And I'm just one of these people, believe it or not, there's no gray lines with me. Believe it or not, it's either black or it's white. I'm going to tell you the truth. Love me, hate me, everything in between. I'm going to tell you what it is. And the Word of God says like this, by his stripes you've been healed. So I'm sorry, I can't tiptoe around what the Bible teaches because of your circumstance. So please understand, it's not cockiness or arrogance. I, I'm tr truly doing this with humility. When you hear me preach on God's benefits, God's blessing, God's healing power, God's prosperity, all these things, it's just trying to show you who God really is. He, let me just help you. He said to his disciples to pray like this. We know the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, I'll be in it. Watch this. That thy will be done here on earth. Now answer me this. Is there any sickness and disease in heaven? Is there any poverty and lack in heaven? Good God, he's paving streets with gold. Come on. PennDOT can't get it right with how many billions of dollars out here. Come on. Every time I ride my motorcycle, I feel like I'm on one of them video games just swerving potholes, amen. How much more tax dollars do you need to fix the road? Never mind, that's a different discussion. Streets paved with gold. I know people get, you know, torqued up by the word prosperity. Let me just help you. God's extremely rich. What do you do in the scripture? When he gives the enemy into their hands, they're three days picking up the spoil. He says, don't touch the silver, don't touch the gold. Put them in the treasury in my temple. They're precious and holy unto me. Money's not evil, it's just a tool. The love of money is evil, amen? God's pretty rich, though. Good to know. I got a father that's richer than Warren Buffett. Amen? I get these big bills sometimes with television and all this stuff. I say, hey, you got mail. You think I'm kidding. <laughs> Lord, 
UPS just delivered something for you at a postal service. Uh, it came by the way of Fox Television Network with a bill to it. My media guy could tell you the truth back there. But Lord, uh, here you go. This came for you. Come on. I'm believing you for it. Can I, can I just tell you, share you some good news? We just got our impressions back yesterday, right? Watch this. I was blown away. It didn't include November and December. Just the first 10 months out of the year. You know, I'm big on the TV preaching. I push that thing hard. I believe in it, and I'm probably the largest contributor in the church to it financially because I just believe in it. Active numbers, not people flicking through, people actually watching. This is right from Fox. He could tell you this. We're the number one watch show on early morning television in this area. <laughs> there you go. You know, what, you know what the average amount of households that tune in and watch from start to finish that thing uh, per day is, per episode? 871 households. 11 years you're watching. Isn't that amazing? You know how many households, how many confirmed have watched start to finish episodes this year, not including November or December? 271,000 people have watched these sermons from this church in the first 10 months out of the year, right here. So don't, don't tell me, come on. Well, what do you need to be doing that for? Because I preach the gospel to 271,000 people right here in this area, across Pennsylvania. Oh, that's only big evangelists can do that. Oh, yeah, try again. Come on. Ask Nathan. I get in that room. I negotiate. Let me tell you something. That, that Jewish blood comes out. I don't know how else to say it. Am I telling the truth? They tr didn't they try to increase our rates last week? And what I tell him? I, I told a guy the meeting was over. I did. He says, it's only $5 an episode. I said, yeah, times 1,000 episodes. That's $5,000 more a year. I said, we ain't doing it. This is God's work, God's money. I said, you take your TV and beat it. We'll, we'll get a contract somewhere else. Right? And then he came back to us yesterday, and what did he say? No increase on your rates. We steward God's money the best we can. We're doing all we can to change our world together. Come on. Why are you saying that? Because you go down to the next few verses here. And I'll close this out quick. 31, and they had prayed the place which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled. Somebody say all filled. With the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. When you're filled up on the Spirit of God, you need to speak the word of God. Amen? All right, real quick. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things belonged to them was their own. Sound like what I just said, didn't it? But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and a great grace. Somebody say a great grace. Thank God for grace, amen? Come on, thank God for grace. Grace is great. Don't believe it, just get in some hot water. I said grace is great, amen? Come on. A great grace was upon them all. Verse 34. There was not one needy person among them. I like the way the King James says it. It says there's not one who lacked amongst them. Well, the disciples were poor. Really? That's not what the Word of God says. It says there was not one who lacked among them. What do you do with that? Come on. 
Well, I, I don't like that they, they, they preach that, that stuff about God's blessing. Well, I'm sorry, but it's part of the Word of God. And in fact, no, I'm not sorry. Because you know what? There's 2,200 scriptures on it, and I'll be held accountable for how I preach this Word one day. You know what the Bible says about preachers that don't have the guts to preach the actual Word of God? That the fires of hell will be stoked seven times as hot for them. I don't know about you, but I ain't even going to smell like smoke. Come on. <laughs> I'm going right through them pearly gates, not looking in the rearview mirror. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you. I've made my reservation. Come on, like a fine steakhouse and a good wine or whatever. In my reservation, my name is in the book. The minute my spirit leaves this body, it's going right through the pearly gates, and them doors are shutting behind, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I'm not going to be like other preachers. I'm sorry. I cannot back down from what the Word of God says. I can't pretend to, 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 to make a theology that's going to accommodate your tragedy. I just can't. I have to tell you what the Word of God says. And truthfully, what you do with it and what I do it is up to us, and ultimately we'll be held accountable for it. Amen? So he said, there's not one needy person among them, King James, not one who lacked among them. Amen? Boy, people know that's a good blessing. Amen? For as many were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. Hello. And laid at the apostles' feet. Well, I think the apostles were poor. Let me tell you something. Folks start selling houses and property and laying the money at your feet. How many people know you ain't poor? You ain't even P.O. Come on. <laughs> the people are selling houses and land and laying that money at your feet. How many people would be okay to accept a blessing like that? Boy, you guys are liars. You're all going to hell. The Bible says liars go to hell. Come on. If somebody sold a house and gave you the money, how many people know that would probably help you? Don't worry, I'm not telling you to do that. Relax, take a deep breath. Sit a little softer on the chair, amen? This is what they were doing then. Why were they doing it? Because they were all in one accord with one vision, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime the devil tries to lie to you about giving tithe and beyond your tithe and offerings, you just speak right back to the devil. Devil, I'm just giving to the vision of God. You know what our vision for this house is? Changing our world together. So big, big writing out there on the wall, in case you missed it on the way in. Changing our world together. Now, I could tell you all day long how we're actively doing that. I'll just give you a few. I told you that TV broadcast. I got those numbers. I was ecstatic. Though when actual people watched start to finish, 271,000 people. We got two months to go yet. Not now, but you know what I mean, to get the numbers for two months. I'm believing God. We're going to crack 300,000. I said, we're going to crack 300,000. You ask him, because he's in that room with me. I negotiate them prices every year. I'm telling you, the Fox people, they leave here hurting. Right? He says to me every year, your rates are already cheaper. I said, well, make them cheaper. He, the guy, he literally said to me one time, are you Jewish? I said, I am. I'm Abraham's seed, amen? Come on. <laughs> Never mind. Some of y'all go right over your head. I love the Jewish people, Amen. I pray for them every day and bless them, and I thank them that their blessings on my life. Amen? Especially in that negotiation room. Amen. <laughs> so the house is sold to them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Amen? Thus Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. A lot of people know it's important to be an encourager. I mean, I feel bad for Joel Osteen. That poor guy takes more heat for being encouraging. I'm like, what's the alternative? I'm really, 
I don't like y'all. Do you know him? How do you not like somebody you don't even know? I'm sorry, in the airside camera, I'm sure there's people getting torqued up. You've never met the guy, and you don't like him. Every time I see him, he's smiling. What's not to like? Come on. He's got a nice smile. I'll tell you one thing. I spoke to a friend of mine uh, when I was in Florida two weeks ago. David, I'll just say. And David's just blowing it up. At seven campuses in there around St. Louis and now Florida, and they're just rocking and rolling. And he used to work with Joel. And uh, him and Joel, he told me this, and now they just made it public. He said, we're renting Yankee Stadium on May 2nd, 2020. And you understand, Joel's the only other person to ever rent Yankee Stadium for an outside venue besides baseball. He did it in 2009. And they had, I believe, 40,000 people and 15,000 first, first-time decisions for Christ. David said, so please pray with us and believe God. I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get there. And then he just told me the other day, he said, Kanye West is coming and get involved with it too. I said, now you're definitely going to pack it out. <laughs> so like, before you're ripping somebody, if I could just help you, you don't understand their seed they're putting in the ground. Just leave them alone. You, they're not going to be standing before God with you. You can be by yourself, amen? So anyway, son of encouragement, amen? And how many people knows the body of Christ could use some more encouragers? I say could use some more encouragers. Amen? Which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That closes out Acts chapter 4. I wanted to get through Acts 4 tonight. Folks, I'll just tell you this as we close. So bad. And my father's not in the room right now, so I really could give it away and he might not even know. I so bad want to share what God's put in our hearts for 2020. I really do. <laughs> and I can't. So Jesus help me hold my tongue. But I tell you some of the other stuff we're doing. But truthfully, I, I, I met with, with the head, uh, I'll just say it, the, the head of the Assemblies of God the other day uh, for this region and area. And, and some of y'all might not know, but I love the Assemblies of God. I'm committed to my blessing, whatever. I'm, I'm not credentialed with them. Only because, not that I can't be, don't worry. Uh, I just haven't felt led to do that at this time of season of my life. Because uh, the Lord spoke to me about some other things. But as I stood with him, he asked me about helping them with, with some stuff in the future. And I said, I help you guys any way I can. He said, Tyler, I can't figure out why. He said, this, will, this church we met at, he said, this will be the seventh church this year we've had to close in the region. Now that grieved my spirit. The churches are closing. Come on. And if that doesn't grieve your spirit, you got a problem. Amen? And I said, sir, I say this with all due respect. I said, I went on the websites of some of those places. And I said, I'll be frank with you. I saw on one church's website, they said, don't worry, we won't ask you to give any money. Right on their website. Thinking that's attractive to people. I said, you know, I'm sure that is attractive to a certain type of people. The problem is they're literally cutting out what God's word commands to do. And then you wonder why they went bankrupt. I said, sir, I say this with all due respect. I said, but don't you think, even denominations, it's time to get back to what the word teaches? I said, sir, now, I can, I'm sure I, I can get accused of all kinds of things. I'm sure, I'm sure there's people that will hate me for teaching this and whatever. But to the day I die, I will teach God's blessing through tithe and offering. You know why? Because that's God's way of increase. I said, sir, 
if I can say this respectfully. I said, you want to start breaking the back of poverty off of regions? You need to teach people tithe and offering. I said, because you're not only robbing God, you're robbing the people of getting in on the blessing of God. I say this humbly. I can say this with confidence because anybody that's around me closely knows the way I saw. I, I, I pride myself in giving more and more to God each and every year. I, I say this humbly. I have a goal to literally give away six figures in one year before I hit 30 years old. I'm turned 29 <laughs> in December. So God, I'm putting a lot of pressure on you. Amen? No, I'm saying that bragging. I'm saying that humbly. Why? Because I realize that everything I have is his. Everything. Folks, everything we have is his. You understand, this life is literally just a blip on the radar. I had an accountant three years ago tell me. We've increased every year, three years ago. He says, you can't give money away like that. I said, why? He goes, well, you're going to come into financial trouble in life. Guess what? That was the last time he was my accountant. He never did my taxes again. I said, sir, I respectfully appreciate your opinion, but I have to sow every time God's Spirit speaks to me. Have to. I can't not be obedient to God's Spirit because you want to tell me what's financial advice. And I'm glad I didn't listen to him because I'll be honest with you, the last three years just been getting better and better and better and better. That year our car business picked up for us like something you've never seen. I mean, it, unbelievable. Everybody else was struggling, and we just kept increasing, increase, increase. Driving a school bus and doing all this stuff and the landscaping and cutting trees. Yeah, believe it or not, I do a whole bunch of stuff. And everything just kept increasing. Everything we touched, God just kept blessing and blessing and blessing. And I heard God speak clear to my spirit. And he said, if you're faithful to teach my people and obedient to my voice, he said, I will bless you and make you an example. I, I, I tell you the same thing. You can read Deuteronomy 28 for your own life. And we could do exactly what the word ta taught right here. I'm not pushing pressure on anybody. I'm not here taking an offering. I'm just trying to tell you what the word of God says. Concerning your life, folks, it's time to break the cycle. Break the cycle. If not for yourself, break it for your family. I thank God my grandfather's sitting here tonight uh, at 70 year old, 70, I, I won't even make the joke, 89 years old, amen. I was gonna say he looks good for 70. But in June, we'll celebrate him 70 years in full-time ministry. 70 years. Some of y'all are trying to do the math on that. Started full-time pastor and he's 19 years old. He broke the cycle in his family. Our family. Believe it or not, our family was pretty rough. Drinking, fighting, carrying on. But thank God he gave his heart to Jesus. Thank God he broke the cycle. The boy from Long Island. Sounds like a Billy Joel song. <laughs> Decided to break the cycle. Gave his heart to Jesus. Start giving tithe and offering. Go to Bible school. Didn't have nickels to rub together, but God always provided. And then, I just brag on you for a minute. Bible says honor the father and mother. You get double honor for honoring your grandparents. Amen. Then I go to the same Bible school he went to. I don't know what it was, 50, 60 some years later. 60s. And I'm there in Bible school, and he's kind of tight-lipped about a whole bunch of stuff. And I literally open a textbook, and this gentleman sitting right here is in the textbook. 
for the work him and my grandmother did starting churches all over New England. How God used them mightily in revivals. How God used them mightily. And I, I called him. I said, what the heck is this all about? We talk openly. You know, well, you know he kind of tight lipped. I said, you need to be sharing this stuff, man. And we're sitting in his house in Ocala in the beginning of this year. Homie ran it down there. Get ready to play golf, amen? Come on. Amen? He still kicks my butt. 89 years old. He whoops me on that thing. He tell, you know, but he encourages me the whole way along. Good shot. Are you kidding me? That was a terrible shot. Pretty sure it bounced off three people's houses and it came back in the fairway. <laughs> Encourage him. And we're listening to Brother Jerry preaching on faith, Jerry Seville. And he opens up to me about a time he sowed a seed and believed God. And he's supposed to buy this building. He didn't have the money. And he asked the lady for 30 days and God was going to he still didn't have the money. The lady came to him and ended up giving him a building. And God blessed him, and they started churches, and him and his friend doing all this stuff and moving in revivals. I need to know all of this, and you need to part all this before you leave the earth. Parents, the most important thing you can do, grandparents, the most important thing you can do, it's great giving your kids gifts. Look, Christmas coming, I'm giving my wife beautiful gifts, my my. My daughter, it's over with. You, you, if you're in my shoes, you got to believe God. Amen? i got a female dog, a daughter, and a wife. Amen? Yeah, you're right. You'd have to believe for prosperity. Amen? <laughs> but the most important thing I do each and every night, a lot of nights my daughter's sleeping by the time I get home, is lay hands on that child. I walk in there, even just for a few seconds, just speak in tongues and lay hands on her. He's just picking her up in my arms. God bless her. Jesus, everything you put on my life, I pray a double portion on her life. God, every seed I'm sowing right now, God, every financial seed, every physical seed, spiritual, everything I'm sowing, I pray she reaps the hundredfold harvest on everything her dad sows. I pray, God, every soul I win to you, she'll win a hundredfold. Bless her. And I bless, and I bless, and I bless. And I'm, you know Why? Because one person decided to make a change. Because one person decided to change. Now four generations. You don't understand how powerful the seeds you sow each and every day. I tell you this. If there wasn't people that gave tithe and offering in Long Island, he wouldn't be sitting here today. Think about that. I guarantee you get to heaven, there'll be a whole bunch of folks in heaven that come to you and thank you for your partnership with this ministry. 271,000 people watched episodes in the first 10 months this year. That blew my mind. Come on. That's ridiculous. I look around here, you know, we got, what, 1,200 seats in the room, something like that. 271,000 start to finish watched. And we got people downloading, right, my YouTube and podcasts. And we're on all kinds of stuff. I don't even know what we're on. Nathan, he come to me the other day, setting up a 24-hour online radio thing. I said, how much is it going to cost? <laughs> Just get it going. Get the gospel out there. Put me on there as much as you can. I'll tell people the truth, and we'll just run with this thing. I'll do whatever I can to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about changing our world together. Can I just say this? Never let the devil get in your mind and try and dismay you from what God's trying to do in your life. 
You know what I feel bad for, truthfully? People that have come in this church and left this place. I really do. Not because it's our church. This is God's church, amen? But I really feel bad for people. You know why? Because they're missing out on what God's doing. 2020, I can say a few things. We're going to increase our TV airtime. I'm believing that by faith. In fact, I just got calls. I don't know if I told you all this or not. I got a call from a lady that manages, uh, she buys Brother Copeland's airtime, Joyce Meyer's airtime, Brother Ted's airtime, and she wants to buy airtime for us. So I said uh, to the finance guy, what's the budget? And he laughed. So praise God, amen. But I'm believing God. I just got calls from Fox, right, in Tulsa, isn't it? Or is it Oklahoma City? Tulsa. They give us a, a slam river rate to go on, on the air right before the news on the weekends on Fox News across Tulsa. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of homes that is. I mean, I just believe in God. 2020, we're going to build a medical clinic in Kenya. Staffed with medical doctors. They don't have nothing there. We're doing this on faith. Right, Lynn? We're doing this on faith. She texted me like every other day, we're, call, we're calling in finance for it together. Am I telling the truth? Believe in God and calling in finance. Why? Because these people deserve medical aid. Good God. I could cut off a few things in my life so they can get medical aid. I gotta watch. <laughs> oh, he'll kill me. <laughs> he'll kill me. It's an interesting dynamic working with family. You gotta see it sometime. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'll just say this. We're gonna be expanding in ways we've never seen before. And God's opening doors just for that too. I had a really interesting meeting the other day. I can't wait to share. God just putting things right in our hands. That's it. And we can hold out, right? Took Nathan came in on his day off the other day. I said, we got to go to this place and see this thing, do all this and whatever. God just putting things right in our hands. God just making things line up. 2020, I'm telling you, is going to be a year of faith and vision like we have not seen before. And I feel bad for the folks that are a part of it. I really do. I'm telling you. Because what we do for God's house, God will do for our house. I, I close with this story. Uh, there's a gentleman here that's not saved and has been helping this church because his brother's highly committed in this church for God since we moved up on this property. And he used to give his brother a hard time. I don't understand why you get on there and do all that for free for that church. We're taking days off of work and helping that church. Da, 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 for the church. Do it at church. And he says, because this is what God's called me to do. He told his brother, what I do for God's house, God will do for our house. He just believes like that. He's one of my favorite people. We get breakfast together quite a bit. And so his brother, I've seen this transformation over the years. He comes down, we do jobs together. We pray before the job. Now he takes his hat off and joins in prayer. I'm like, okay, Lord, I see what you're doing here. I keep inviting him to church. He's like, I drink beer and watch NASCAR on Sunday. Whatever, do it after. Just come to church. I'm like, Lord will take care of that too. Just get him in the door, amen? He'll wipe that bush right out of your mouth, amen? <laughs> and then Kyle Bush off the track, amen? Uh, so I see him opening up, opening up. And then they, they hit natural resources on his property and made him a multimillionaire overnight. 
And so we're having breakfast one morning. He's talking to me about it. He says, what do you think? I said, I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> Sorry, you asked. No. I said, you, you realize God made you a multimillionaire. And he laughed at me. I said, no, no, I'll explain it to you. Who owns the natural gas coming out of the earth? Who put natural gas in the earth? Who put oil in the earth? Where's that getting extracted from? I said, let me tell you why God did that for you. And now he's, he's really wondering. I said, God did that for you because just what your brother's been telling you the last 11 years now. What we do for God's house, God will do for our house. I said, you, you might not know this or not, but you've been sowing seed, doing, helping us out down here, running machines, doing all this stuff. I said, I'm just crazy enough to believe God just blessed you back for it. I said, because the Bible says in Galatians 6, God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he also reap. I said, so next time you go to the mailbox and pick up that check for that gas and oil rigs running and all that, you ought to do yourself a favor and say, God, I thank you for this. Because God will not be mocked. Amen? Father, I thank you for the precious people of this place, Lord. I thank you for the vision of changing our world together, Lord, how you've blessed us how you favored us, how you've honored us, God. You've been so good to us, Lord. I thank you for your blessing that's on our lives, God, your blessing that's on your house. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to partner with changing our world together. I pray, Lord, this last month of the year will be this church's best month in Jesus' name. We'll finish 2019 strong, God, and just put a dent in hell rolling right into 2020, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray, God, for the finances for the Kenya Clinic for the advanced TV airtime, for the youth, the kids, everything they're believing for, and then for Vision 2020. I call it in by faith in Jesus' name. I pray the angels bring it right in, and I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for your precious blood of Jesus. I thank you for the precious people of this house. I thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit, God. Now I pray you bless these people, favor them, honor them. May they have the best rest of the week of their lives, God, and come back Sunday fully refreshed and full of the power of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of you listening and tag us on your social. Thanks again for joining us. We love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.